Roxo Media House. Welcome back to Fortitude, folks. J.W. <laughs> Wilson, Brenton Payne. The guy in the middle here, you might have seen his face sometime or two, but he's the big cheese. He's the Chancellor, Victor Boschini. Welcome, Victor, to the show. Thanks for having me. We have lots to ask you, and we go, we'll get right to it. We know you're a very busy fellow, but... I'd like to start with, have you ever yes. been referred to as the big cheese before? Yeah, I didn't know if that was Boschini, like, like that was yeah, something. It's a yeah, technical I, term just, they throw around. We just went right on into the right, right. conversation yeah. here. If the internet is to be believed, Victor, uh, <laughs> you are a, you are a Cleveland native. Is this true? That is true. It's interesting. So a Cleveland native, an MBA, an MA from Bowling Green, a doctorate from Indiana, mm-hmm. made your way up through uh, DePaul, Butler, Indiana, and Illinois State. Uh, as this president, before you hit, you hit home here. Yes, sir. You've now been here for almost 20 years, correct? This is my 20th year. In 2003, you arrived. Right. In a general sense, what was TCU then versus is now? Is there a way to for you to describe what's going on from then to now? It's it's quite a change transition, but what, what would it look like in your eyes? Oh, wow. Um, physically, it's very different. Um, when I came, I thought it was a parking lot surrounded by a campus. And now I hope it's a campus surrounded by a parking lot. And that that sounds funny, but that was a huge difference. The whole center of campus was blacktop. It was 953 spaces. And they also were so cheap, they had never done it all at the same time. So some was black, some was gray, some was gravel. And it looked like a patchwork quilt. Certainly. It didn't look bad when all the cars were on it, but the moment anyone was off of it, it looked terrible. They didn't have any trouble to financial, just to where it was in a financial place? No. Or it was just the way it happened? Yeah. I don't think people a long time, not a long time, but I don't think people thought about the environment as much as we do now. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they sure wrote a lot of tickets to us students back then. Yeah. It's hard, yeah. hard to believe, yes. On that note, does that how much does the beautification of a campus have to do with the ability to attract students? I mean, is it you know, if you could break it down into percentages, right. what would you say beautiful like the beauty of the campus, the quality of the education, the party life, whatever the categories may be, right. what's the kind of priority you think of as far as that goes? I would say the beauty of the campus is 100% mm-hmm. because you only get one chance to make a first impression. Mm-hmm. And kids nowadays, they buy on real estate. And the only group that buys on real estate more than the regular students are athletes. Okay. Good to know. So when you first arrived, Victor, obviously you told us about the parking lot. When you arrived, what, what were some of your goals at that point? And tell us uh, so far, have you accomplished these goals? And I, I assume you're still having more goals, but... At that time, back way back when, uh, what, was, what was going through your your brain when you arrived on campus? Well, I didn't have any goals because I didn't even know what I was doing. It, it took me like a year to learn the kind of the culture of TCU. But when I was hired, the board only wanted me to, they specifically said, we have two things you must do. Your two goals are one, get us a national reputation and two, raise money. And so those were my first two things I worked on. Fair. Was that, did you look at that as, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that here. Was it was that like a daunting task or it was? Oh, yeah. And so what kind of plan did you put in place to to carry that out, to execute that? Okay. First of all, you're making this all sound like I did it, you guys, because <laughs> you love me. I know that and I love you. But um, He told you. Yeah, he told he me, told me you yeah, did yeah, everything yeah. here. <laughs> but um, it's a lot of people. I was just lucky to be along for the ride. But the one I was most worried about leading the effort in was the um, – fundraising. The national reputation, I could tell them right away what we had to do, but a lot of people had to do it. 
we were 70% in-state, 30% out-of-state. And so I said in, to the board in one of my interviews, you can't be a national school off the backs of the kids in San Antonio. I know the people in Fort Worth think that's another state because Texas is so big, you know, mm-hmm. and they're not used to that. But if you were in Illinois where I was and you lived in San Antonio and you were the same distance, it would be called Iowa. Mm-hmm. And so what I said to them is we need to get more out-of-state kids But that was controversial because a lot of the Texans on the board, they want Texans, you know. Sure. But um, now we're 60% out of state, 40% in state. We were 70% in state, 30% out of state. I've heard that. I've heard that the C in TCU stands for California because all these kids are coming from California here. A lot of California because the joke, the 60% out of state is 90% California. It's not. But there's a lot of California kids. Yeah. What is that? How do you do that? How do you get out there? Is it just more recruiting from those areas or or going out and participating in their kind of college selection in those states? It's all that. Mm-hmm. It's all that. And then it's getting a kid like we get this loser kid from Pleasanton and he works for you guys. And but he has a good experience here. <laughs> and But he doesn't even see. But he has yeah. <laughs> he has a good experience here. And then he goes back and tells a kid on spring break. That's a great place. Yeah. Because I really think students sell TCU way better than a hundred year old guy would. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's funny. I think about it. I was your age when I came here. That is that so is funny. Kind of neat. Yeah. So what does that make you now? Well, take a guess. I don't, I don't want to pursue. <laughs> well, anything. when you said a loser from, and I thought you were going to refer to Jake. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Uh, your predecessor chancellor is by the name of chancellor or was chancellor Ferrari at the yeah, time. Sir. Do you know this man? And when you when you wiped him off, what, what was? Well, I'm kidding, <laughs> kidding. Did you happen to know Chancellor Ferrari at the time? Were you guys friends? Do you still communicate? What was that like? That transition. Yes. Uh, sadly, he's dead, and he died about ten years ago, maybe. But it was a weird coincidence. Okay, Doctor Ferrari was the um, acting president of Bowling Green when I was a student there. Uh-huh. I was a grad student. My favorite professor was his best friend. And I was the graduate student to my favorite professor. And I would take messages. They would write, it was before email, you know, in the olden days. And they would write each other notes, like meet me for lunch at three or, you know, like give it, they would joke with each other and I would run it back and forth. So when I came here and I met Dr. Ferrari again, he and his wife were standing together. And I said, Dr. Ferrari, I don't know, you you probably won't remember me, but, you know, I was email, I was your email before email. And I explained the situation to him and he started laughing. And he said, oh, oh, I definitely remember you. And his wife said, no, he doesn't. He's just saying that. You know, yeah, his wife yeah. was real funny and nice. And But anyway, so we got reacquainted. He, he didn't say, yeah. I yeah, went you were, to Luby's when yeah, I was supposed yeah, to go to. Right. You, you know, screwed me over. Yeah. That day. Yeah. yeah. With that note. But, and he was so nice and he and his wife were so nice. They, before I, we moved here, they had me come and stay with them for three days. And I kind of went through TCU 101 with him. Right. And which was an amazing way to do it, to get it firsthand. Had you been down to this part of the country before? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so what was your impression uh, besides the parking lot as far as Fort Worth and just the whole feel of the campus and in the city and things yeah. like that. Loved it. And when my wife and I came for the three days for the interview, we thought at first it was kind of fake because everybody was so nice, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't, <laughs> I'm a, a Midwesterner. And I would say like in Chicago, they're not going to spit on, in your face on Michigan Avenue, but they're not going to help you either. Yeah, right. Here they walk up to you and they help you. Mm-hmm. And so, but after we were here a while, you kind of loosen up and get used to it. And you're like, this is great. Yeah. But so, yeah, we loved it. We, we've lived in seven different cities and many different states, and we've loved every place we live, but we've never liked any place 
as much as Fort Worth. That's why we've stayed so long. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the neat rumors that about you that I think many people would say is true, not even sure if they know it, but you, you know, everybody, you seem to know everybody and something about this no, person. Well, one of the things that I've always heard about you, I'd like to know if you can just confirm it, but you, you get to know some of the freshman class every year, the incoming freshman class. You learn a little bit about this person. Maybe it's the face, the name, uh, a little bit about their background because you, you, you spend time going out to the campus and meeting these kids. And I remember that happening with me for some reason. I, we ran into each other, not knowing each other in, this is in later on in life after I graduated, but you knew a little about my background. I thought that was very impressive, but you take the time to learn about your students and you spend time with your students. You offer them uh, opportunities to come meet you and come to the house and have a little get togethers. I've always loved that part about you, but what is it about your memory that, that makes you want to do these things? You really remember a lot of details that are important. I, th I think I, I'm, I have absolutely no skills. You could ask my wife that except names and faces. And I don't know why I've always just been good at that. Mm -hmm. And that helps a lot in this job. How many people would you say you could recognize thousands? Oh no, like 40, you know, I don't right. know. Yeah. <laughs> 40. Yeah. I'm sure that's on like, campus now or, or through the yeah. years, through the years, through the years, Yeah, 40 total. Yeah. What if, if someone were to ask you about your daily job or your daily life, what would you, how would you describe what you do on a daily basis? For someone who's not all that familiar with a chancellorship, what does a chancellor do for a living? Okay. Uh, I say it like this. I only do three things. One, I look after the health, safety, and welfare of everyone involved in TCU community, because even though I don't have control over that, parents think you do. And so you have to. Number two, I raise money for their good ideas. And so they, I never have any of these ideas, but they, I hear them on campus or they talk about them. Mm -hmm. And then I'm meeting someone in California someday and they love that area. And I'm like, Hey, could you give me a couple million dollars for that? And then they buy in. Mm -hmm. And then three, I try to set a tone for TCU. And the tone I'm trying to set is there's room at the table for everybody. Absolutely. Is there a lot of pressure being the chancellor? Oh yeah. But just like any other job. Yeah. I'm not a good detail guy. And that gets me in trouble a lot because people expect you to know. I'm also not as smart as a lot of people might be, especially if you were like a, in an academic setting. And I mean that sincerely, that's not one of my big strengths. And so they ask me a lot of questions that I never know the answer to. And from like, what's the movie in the blue this weekend? I'm like, yeah, I definitely know that mm -hmm. to like, how do you do a quadratic equation? Sure. Sure. But neither of which I know. What would you say, Victor, are your strengths in this, in, this, in this occupation? Wow, I would say that's up to you all to decide. Yeah, that I wouldn't know that. Mm -hmm. Or if I did, it would sound braggy. Well, maybe here's another question, not the same, but what, what are some of the biggest challenges you face? Uh, it's, is, is it parents? Is it money raising? Probably a little bit of the same, but it, what are some things that you really, if you, do you struggle with anything as a chancellor? Oh, my gosh, daily. Okay, first of all, I'm a worrier and um, a big anxiety person, so that's really not Cheers. a good. Yeah, it's really, really not a good combo for this job. <laughs> and so, yes, I do. Um, many things. The biggest thing I worry about is safety, and not even physical safety, but that too, but mental, all that, because you basically TCU is a city. We have everything a city has except a fire department, and we're right next to one. We have a police department. We have hotels. We have restaurants. We have entertainment places. All this is called TCU. And then put in there 12,000 students and 2,800 employees. And of those 12,000 students, 
6,000 of them are boys who are 18 and you have a recipe for disaster mm-hmm. right there. I can't imagine. I yeah. Was, yeah, I was I was thinking about that as, you know, I keep thinking as we're sitting in this beautiful office, I, I keep thinking of the scene from Animal House. I'm wondering <laughs> yeah. if there's any dreaded fraternity, you know, that exists that just as a warrior, you're home yeah. or you're going to your dinner tonight and just thinking, oh, those... I won't even say yeah, a Greek ABCs, name, but yeah, 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 those ABCs are just they've they've really got me going here, yeah. you know. <laughs> no, and that and that that part I don't worry about because maybe I was in one, and I <laughs> feel it all works out in the end. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah. And I think I also think the one thing I'm not is an overreactor, and a lot of people are overreactors to a lot of things nowadays. And I'm like, most things work themselves out. Mm-hmm. Most people are rational and have common sense. It might take them a while to get there, mm-hmm. but they do. On that, you had to get through the pandemic. And so what kind of challenges did that throw your way? And what was your kind of strategy for that? Oh, that was huge. And everybody was very, not everybody, a lot of people were really angry during that, especially in the first year of it. And I joke, I said, there were three groups of people. There was one group of people that ran away from me. And they're the ones I'm really that that's still bitter about, you know, and then there was a small group of people who tried to run over me and were really mad and they made me mad too, but at sorry least, about that. At least they were on it. Yeah. But at least you were honest about it. And then there was an even smaller group of people who stood with me and are like, we can do this. We can make this happen. Mm-hmm. And that's the group I really cherish nowadays. But it, again, just like everything else, you know what? It all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And back to my original question, your daily life, you explain oh. what your job is, but are you an early riser? Are you a late go to bed guy? Are you, do you work out in the morning? Do you go out and play golf? What, what kind of yeah. what kind of life is is this for you? I am. Um, I always say a charity golfer in that I only golf at charity events because I have to end with charitable men because my real friends are good golfers and don't want to golf with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my job is boring meetings, boring meetings, boring meetings. Lunch with somebody, which that's always good. And then boring meetings, boring meetings, boring meetings, and then dinner with somebody probably. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. You mentioned just a little while ago the fundraising efforts. Um, I know the number $1 billion is is right. currently the raise. I think we did it, we've already done it once before, I believe. No, never before. Never before. But yeah. what, is that, what does that sound like or feel like when you say we're going to raise a billion dollars? Because it sounds... Un, un, too, too imagine, unimaginable to be true, but it's actually yeah. happening. Happening. So yeah, it's daunting. We're trying to raise a uh, a billion by um, May thirty first, which is the this is our one hundred fiftieth year, and mm-hmm. so we wanted to do that. We also want to win a national championship in our one hundred fiftieth year. That'd be fun. And we're at eight hundred ninety million right now, and so we have about Jennifer March April May five months to go, but we'll do it. So you're on the road quite a bit in the, in this yes. effort, right? Yeah, you, uh, but a lot of people are again. It's not just me. Do you enjoy being on the road? Yes, okay. I love it. I what love do you to travel because you're meeting people because you're you're seeing different places? What's the, what? Let's see, allure of being on the road for you. You really want me to be honest? I would love to be the honest. shrimp cocktail. Yeah, at the <laughs> Ramada, and there's a wonderful it's karaoke bar. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's because you're alone. Okay. Yeah, I love traveling because you're alone. You're on Anonymity. a plane. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're alone, and it's the only time I really get to think or write something. I need to write a lot of stuff, like a. Speech or something, and I have time to do that on the plane. I love that. Okay. That makes I also sense. am, that's the only time I give myself permission to be rude is when I travel. And I'm not like going to spit in your face or anything, but like I get on the plane and I am totally focused on my iPad and I act like I'm splitting binomial equations and I give every message out do not speak to this man. <laughs> and I don't even look at the person next to me when I sit down because I'm like, no, I want to be totally alone. 
You know, I'm a fan of yours. I hope you know oh, that. Thanks. But have you made any mistakes over the years that you that you <laughs> talk about? How long is this podcast? <laughs> Zillions. We're going to follow Seriously. you home, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. I made a million mistakes in my personal life, too. Um, but yeah, you definitely make mistakes. And I always tell all the people that work with me, you're going to make mistakes. But I, I also have this theory that everything's in liquid, not in cement. And I think most people think everything is a cement, not liquid. Mm-hmm. It's not. And you can pretty much fix any mistake you make as long as you're a big enough man, woman, or child to admit it and move forward. I, I learn a lot from my mistakes. Mm-hmm. Back to the exposure thing. How much does this last football season do for the nationwide exposure? I mean, it, it, you're talking about kind of some stars aligning with right. 150 years, right. trying to get the billion like that. I mean, is it, could you have asked for anything more? I mean, or any, what you, you do to do you sell your soul to somebody? To totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would have if I could have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that would be one of my mistakes because I shouldn't <laughs> do that. But yeah, it's been incredible. You, We couldn't buy the publicity we're getting now. Mm-hmm. I was in New York from last Friday to this past Friday for that whole time. I came home for one day and went back. So I was there seven, six of the seven days. And every day in Times Square, the cover of USA Today had us above the fold. Mm-hmm. Like You couldn't buy that kind of um, sure. publicity. But you were trying to be anonymous, right? Because you were traveling. It was great. And yeah. you just had your head in the iPad. Yeah. You and I would really... just, yeah, I did. I would just go, wow, look at T's using that, you know, <laughs> pretend like I didn't know. <laughs> what I, is this? If school? I had a kid, I would yeah. send him there. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, how many suits would a man like you have to own to do, do this job? I mean, do you have, what, do you have, getting personal? Do you have one yeah. suit and you're just uh, dry cleaning it repeatedly? Yes, I have about two suits and a lot of shirts and different ties. I have a million ties. Right. Purple. Yeah. Only purple because every friend, that's all they give you for the rest of your life are purple ties, purple things. But ties are a big, good gift for men. It's actually a great topic. Yeah. Yes. You you have a lot of purple ties. Do you have a do you have an exorbitant amount of memorabilia from this place that you take care of? Oh, yeah. I love, I, I'm a total like um, memorabilia junkie. So, yes, I have a lot of that kind of stuff. So, do you get to go to the bookstore and just pick out like hard no, no. like, Oh, no. hello, Vicar. We've gotten yeah. the new... <laughs> Yes, uh, yes. You here's the Andy the Dalton jersey. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You don't have that one yet, do you? I actually <laughs> do, but no, no, you don't get to do that. That's, that's not good. But what are some of the perks of the being the chancellor? Do you get a golf cart ride around campus? What it, What is it? Okay, that, that is a perk. Like if I call the police, they will take me somewhere in a golf cart. Yeah. And I actually do that once in a while, but not a lot because I'm a big walker. Okay. And I don't work out because that's my only exercise I get then is walking. So I, always, I never do the elevator. I always do the steps and I always try to walk around campus. Mm-hmm. I, I hardly ever have a day when I don't get to 10,000 steps on my oh, wow. you know, clicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't do that a lot, but what are the perks? The main perk is you get to be surrounded by 12,000 people who have these incredible ideas. Like I can't imagine if I worked at IBM or Xerox or something, it could possibly be like this. I work in a park. I work with 12,000 people who have amazing ideas that are crazy and fun and serious. And then you have these faculty members who are all brilliant and, you know, have these speeches and things I love going to and I love learning. And I like to be a lifelong learner. And this is a perfect environment for me. Do people recognize you as you walk around campus? Fair oh, question. No, no. But some do, sure. Yeah, somebody might. Yeah. Do they approach you? Do they stop you? Are they afraid of you when they see you coming? 
Well, you would have to ask them, but I don't think so. But yeah. And also I teach one class every year. And one of the reasons I do this, because I love it, but you also know those kids. Then, you know, for four years, everybody who dumps them, everybody they date. Then when their brother mm-hmm. and sister come to see you, they bring them in and introduce them. And so you build this group of people, you know, mm-hmm. it's what, what, what is the class you teach? This semester I taught EDUC 105.33, and that is a seminar in education, and we studied the topic, is higher ed a force for negative or positive change in America? Wow, how many mm. students? Uh, I had, oh, that was a mistake. I only want 16 in that class, mm-hmm. and so I only open up two slots. In, a lot of professors do this in every orientation, so the mm-hmm. last kids in the eighth one, they don't get punished. And one time, my two slots got filled and then the brother of a kid I had two years ago, the older kid called me and said, Oh, you know, can you let little Jimmy in? I'm like, sure. And so I called down to the registrar's office and I said, double my spaces. Well, I meant for that session. They did it. All. Oh, did no. So I ended up with 32 kids, but it was uh, great. Nice. So do you, what is the biggest, you talk about being really in touch with the students. What in your tenure have you seen as being some of the biggest changes? I mean, you've, you've clearly done it since the devices have come around and all the social media. And do you see things maybe give us a, like a good and a bad, you know, with what's going on with the kids just in general, you know, the bad is I think the kids are suffering mental health wise more. And I think all people are even adults, but the kids really bad right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay. Example. And I don't know these numbers for sure, but these are pretty close. When I came, we had three counselors in the counseling center. No psychiatrist and three psychologists. Now we have three psychiatrists and 24 or something psychologists, you know, and that's normal for colleges. Mm. And the kids, especially after COVID, everybody is really still suffering a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is is, uh, fostered by social media. Mm -hmm. Okay. In high school, like you guys were the, I know he definitely was, were the popular kid, you know, mm-hmm. that was in sports sorry, and everybody right. liked, yeah. He's just big. He right. beat you up if right. you didn't right. go along yeah, with Yeah, he that was notion. the kid that beat me up yeah. and I hated that kid. But I was, cheers. cheers, I was the total nerd and I had these three nerd friends and we thought we were popular. Yeah, know? yeah. But, and we had tons of, I was a twin too and I had a twin sister and she was like the cheerleader, the popular kid. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of glommed off of her girlfriends too, but- <laughs> These four guys and I, we didn't know parties we weren't invited to. We didn't know things we were missing. Sure. Now on social media, mm-hmm. you know that. Mm-hmm. And I always tell my own kids and any kid will listen to me, nobody puts the real life on social media. They no. put the high life on yeah. social media. Right. And so you look at that and you think, oh my gosh, another thing I didn't get invited to. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. well, I was in my ignorance. I was like, hey, I'm popular, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about the good side? Because you're listening to these kids mm-hmm. in the class and stuff, maybe some different kinds of thinking or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I love them. I think they're way more informed than we were. I'm 100, you know? They're way more informed than I was as a kid. They're way more sophisticated. That's good and bad, though. Mm-hmm. Um, they grow up quicker, and I think that can be good and bad. Um, and they also have access to so much more information than I did. Mm-hmm. And if they use that wisely, which most of them do, like I'm saying, it's really mm-hmm. a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I have no fear about the future. I hate those people who are like, oh, everything's going to hell. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I say that on this? Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Everything's going to heck. And we, prefer, in the we, prefer, we prefer it, actually. Yeah. Yes. Everything's yeah. going to H-E double hockey sticks. Yeah. And, yes. you know, nothing's going to work out. And no one will take care of me when I'm old. That's baloney. These <laughs> kids are brilliant. They're going to solve all these problems. Sure. And then sure. they'll create some of their own, too, like we did. Mm-hmm. 
Have you ever made a TikTok before? <laughs> uh, no. Those kids. Anyway, yeah. well, you've had many uh, accomplishments, no doubt. One of the most recent that I'd like to talk about a little bit with you, TCU School of Medicine, and specifically the Dorman Scholars. This is a huge deal for the school, for you, for everybody, in fact, which I know you'll say, but tell us a little about that, how that process went down, because what's happening over there is something extraordinary for the city of Fort Worth and the school. Fair? Yeah. Oh yeah, I think the medical school will be the most important. In hundred years from now, when people look back, the medical school will be the most important thing of many things that TCU does and gives to the city of Fort Worth and the and the region. But yeah, it was a lot of people did it, not not just me. I didn't do it, but um, we had this idea that we wanted to start a medical school, and so we took a small group of people and we went to the last three medical. This was six years ago. The last three medical schools started in America. One was in New York City, one was in Austin, and I forget the third one now. And we talked to the deans and we talked to the staffs at the schools and the professors, and we learned, you know, like mm -hmm. how to do it. And then the trick is to hire a dean and a good dean. And we did that and let that man, woman, or child run. Very nice. I also still think there are men and women. So sorry if I say those words and you don't That's like okay. them. That's okay. But yeah. Paul Dorman, we, we were big fans of this man. He's He endowed yeah. the first group of uh, first class with a full scholarship right. in 2019. So several years ago, they're set to graduate. They've already graduated or they ha will graduate? They'll graduate this year. And we've been really fortunate, JW. We've not had one year yet where we didn't have a whole class paid for by somebody. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah, it's been really blessed. Well, and I think a lot of the impetus that was from this GME or this when they they need to stay in the places where they're educated that's or, the or that's what they typically do yes and fort worth never had a place right. like that where they could they could be residents and do these right. things like that something so it like helps the economy yep sir no i'm sorry something like 68 percent, i think is the figure of medical school students stay within 40 miles of where they got their medical mm -hmm. education mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is due to the chancellor and the love that they've had to a lot of the chancellors on the on the camp various campuses. Yeah, I think that's probably it. They say for me. Yeah, yeah they say for me. Um, a lot of people say that, but um, no, you know, because it just makes sense. You do your residency in a hospital here, and then you get to know the other doctors. You mm -hmm. you get to be a part of the medical community, and your husband or wife says, "Why would we leave? You know, yeah. we're a part of this already. Let's stay." How do you keep the jocks from picking on the medical school, school students? Oh, because it's different nowadays because the jocks aren't the jocks like they used to be. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not like JWs. No, are. no. Right, they, right. they guys, I guess, are, they're gone. Yeah, yes, they're gone. So, as a, for sure. It's a dying breed. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Those who know you, Victor, we, we are a man of lots of energy. You're always at the events. You're doing things. You're traveling. You're always going, it seems like. Uh, salary aside, what, what drives, that's a joke, but salary aside, what drives you? What gives you all this energy to do all these things? I, my dad was very energetic. I grew up poor and my dad was very energetic and a very hard worker. And he all, he just always felt like that's what you did. And so I guess I just did that. And along the way, I worked for an amazing chancellor and he would always say two things when I was 20 and he was 40. I thought he was nuts because he was old, you know, to me. He always said, you create the world you live in. Mm -hmm. And I always thought, oh, that's so like 60s and hokey, but it's so true. Mm -hmm. And But the other thing he said, which I think is so true, he always said, you seek what you find and you find what you seek. And so like, if you think everybody's on your side and wants to help you, that's what you'll find. If you think everybody's really political and a cutthroat and trying to cut you down, that's what you'll find. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. You know, I think... Um, I have long days, so do you guys. And so I could choose to live those days in joy and glass half full or in misery and glass half empty. 
but why would I do that? Right. I so never get that point. kind of, that Eeyore person, you know, mm. I never get that Eeyore person, why they want to be like that. I can't cheers you there. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So you mentioned golf, Victor. What, do you have any hobbies outside of this that you like to do in your spare time? I really don't. No? Yeah. Walk around the campus? Yeah, I walk. Yeah, but that's not a hobby. Play memory game with everybody? Yeah, yeah. TV? I mean, what you got to do when you get away from all the... Oh, energy, I, I read. You just go, mm-hmm. I read. Oh, my favorite thing to do would be to be on a chair on a beach. And I have a specific beach I like to go Which to. Which one? Uh, it's in um, uh, Florida in um, Alice Beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be alone and just sit there in a chair and have nobody talk to you for like three or four hours and just have people bring me food and drink. That's all I would need. Do you read during that time or just simply gaze at the ocean? Both. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'm a big sleeper too. Like I've always been able to sleep. Cheers you there. Yeah. I could sleep mm-hmm. on a dime oh, yeah. anywhere. What time do you go to bed? Uh, around 11 o'clock at night. And I usually get up around 6, 10. Mm-hmm. Why, <laughs> six, why yeah. 6, 10? My body just does it. I could Please also, be specific I could also tell you the exact time I go to the bathroom every night in the middle of that. It's about 3, 12. But, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, who's yeah, we keeping calm at 6, 09? That's yeah. for sure. So, for sure. Um, speaking of being alone, mm-hmm. uh, at some point in your career, hopefully it's many years. We know, we know for a fact it's not going to be the next, for the next four years, but there's a transition undergoing right now for yes. the next presidentship of this university. Uh, I think uh, you, you told us, you, you said we we're able to talk about that today yeah. on the show, but who is the next president going to be? We just today hired a new president, and his name is Daniel Pullen, and he was our great dean of business, is our great dean of business t- till now, for now, and um, he'll be the president, and he will be basically, not basically, but he'll be the chief operating officer of the university as the president, and then I'll do the external things. I'll fundraise, friend raise. Mm-hmm. How long until he becomes the next chancellor? That's up to the board of trustees. Okay. But it's, yeah. it's a period of time. It's probably like 2026 20, more or less. Well, that's when I'm supposed to retire. So I would hope by then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very good. Will this apprenticeship uh, be kind of strict and entail 11 o'clock bedtime, 6 t- 10 a.m. wake up, 10,000 steps per day? How do you, how do you perceive this? Oh, you mean, will I make him do all that? Yes. No, because he's his own person and I already know him. We're friends, colleagues. I think we're going to have a great team. I, I great. hope we'll make a great team. Perfect. But I don't he's think he's picking different. up his laundry or anything like that. <laughs> yes. But yes. he's very different and yeah. that's good. Yep. Yeah, they yeah. don't need another me. Right. <laughs> and then the future for TCU, you mentioned that it, you know, 100 years from now, do you have an, a vision of this place in the next, say, 5, 10, 20 years or anything like that going on in your brain? Oh, absolutely. I, I think about that all the time. Are we are we out of campus on the moon or anything like that going on? Downtown campus, though. though. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a downtown campus, and that'll open up next year. And that's the beginning in that medical school. And the space we have there, actually, we have space for four buildings. We're only building one, but it's a big building. Mm-hmm. And that'll be the start of something really cool. I also think the TCU needs to get a little bigger because we want a lot, we being the TCU people. We want a lot. And one of the main things we want are big-time athletics, whether we would admit that or not, but we do want that. Uh, almost everybody, even the kids that don't participate in athletics, want big-time athletics. And we're trying to do that off the backs of 12,000 people. The next biggest person in our conference has 16,000. That's right. Baylor. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that's so much mm-hmm. bigger. And, you know, we 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 need to have a few more students here. What I don't want to lose is that I would know you mm-hmm. and that, and, and that, you know, but I always say this, we have a rule on our board that we can't have more than a 14 to one student to faculty ratio. 
Right now, we're actually at 13 to 1, so we're, we're even better. So I say, as long as we guarantee that, I think we'll be fine. Now, can you have this environment at 25,000? No, because I've been at schools of that. But I think you could have it at uh, uh, 16,000 because when I go to Baylor, those kids love Baylor the way love Baylor the way our kids love TCU. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So we're at 12,000 roughly right mm-hmm. now. So there's definitely growth for you guys in the future plans. Uh, I, you know, definitely. And the board decided at their last retreat this past uh, fall that they were going to uh, grow slowly and moderately. Mm-hmm. Where are, the, where are the biggest needs for the campus right now as far as yeah. you know growth? But where do you see the next big push? Because this billion-dollar raise is going to go all sort in play, certain places. Athletics has gone a huge rejuvenation. Mm-hmm. Where's the biggest need at TCU right now? Uh, the biggest need at TCU is scholarships. I would like to have enough money. Right now, I would, I would like to have enough money for any kid that we accept that we could pay for them to go here. We don't have quite enough to do that now. We, we have a lot. 71% of our students get some kind of a scholarship. And so that's a pretty big chunk. I would like for 100% of them to be, stop that. I would like for 100% <laughs> of them to be, <laughs> to be able to do that. That's incredibly rude. You're a trained professional. <laughs> yes. I will take the appropriate distance from you now. <laughs> stop stepping on your mic. Okay. Board. I'm the, I'm the most least germ worried person okay, in the world. Good. So don't I'll worry about that. I'll be coming back yeah. into your. Yeah, but I would hope, I think that's the biggest need for our school is even more scholarship money. And so like when I'm working with donors, um, my wife always reminds me, she's like, remember, it's their money because I'm like, hey, they want to do this, but I want them to do that. And so we're going to do that as long as it's legal, ethical, and moral. But if I can convince them to do something that's this, it would always be scholarships. Scholarships, very nice. Because do you ever bump up against that though? I mean, that sounds like probably a big challenge of your job is that You've got a feeling of what's going on on the daily basis of the campus. You've got a board that wants something, but then you have the actual contributor right. and you're trying to manage all of that. And I would imagine that at times it's hard to say no to some of those groups. Yeah. Oh, I would never say no to um, uh, money as long as it's for something legal, ethical, and moral, mm-hmm. which it always is. I've never had that problem here. <laughs> uh, and when we- Attorney ABC needs to take, yeah, take notice. Yeah, never. But um, yeah- but it is, most of our donors, though, are really good if they say, like, oh, I want to give $10 million for a program, and I'm trying to make something up that we don't have. Um, I don't know, like uh, quantum physics. Actually, we have that, but whatever it is. And I'm like, no, oh, space, stellar physics. We mm-hmm. don't do space. And I'm like, but we really could do engineering, and that's really close. So let me explain to you why. And then come with me on campus. Come back from Nevada someday with me, and let's look at, and most of the time you can get them to see that, because mm-hmm. the people that really have the tons of money, they want to help. Yeah, I think most people with a lot of money feel they have a responsibility to give it away. I really do. Mm-hmm. I've, In fact, I have met relatively few uber-wealthy people who are greedy and don't want to help people and, you know, like, have the stereotype that some people have. That's not like it at all, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Yeah. Of all the things you've done, Chancellor, what is there something you've done in your career that you're most proud of? Do you have a number one? Oh, yeah. My four kids. Okay. And that's fun, and that's great. And now I have two grandkids, which that's even better, way better than kids. (laughs) Uh, And uh, that'd be it personally. Uh, Professionally, um, I don't know. Again, I think that's something you have to decide. Mm-hmm. whoever you are. 
Well, you certainly have a lovely first first chancellor. What do you call first lady of TCU? Megan. Yeah, I'm she's, so blessed. She's a lovely lady. Yeah. Married well. It takes met her in two, college, correct? Takes two to do this. We met at a college where we were both working. Very nice. Yeah. How, how did it? How did you connect? If you mind me asking, is that too personal a question? Very, but I'll answer it anyway. <laughs> That's none of your damn business, but I will answer it. Please we, continue yeah. to talk to him in this manner. <laughs> I love it. We both uh, worked at the same school. She was in admissions, and I was in student life. Okay. And we had the same boss and our boss had a dinner party one on us this first Saturday night when we were there and invited, of course, both of us. And jokingly, our boss said, you ought to um, get married, but at least be best friends mm -hmm. because you're the only two young people we hired here this year. It was a small school. Okay. And we were the only two new staff members and we were both pretty young. And so we hit it off at the dinner. And then that was on Saturday. On Sunday, I went to church and we were at the same church. I'm like, Maybe this yeah. will work. Mm. It was done. Yeah. It was done. Well, I had it took a little convincing, but for her. <laughs> um, well, this concludes part one of four of this interview. So <laughs> we like to, we appreciate the time. But anything else? Anything we're not asking you, Chancellor? I don't think so. No, thanks. We'll get the names of those fraternities. On yeah. Right, right, right. Just, well, yeah. Just we always, have, we really appreciate your time. We know your, your time you. is, is valuable to you and to a lot of people, but we always, we always ask our guests, family aside, so the uh -huh. marriage, the kids, the grandkids, all that stuff aside. Okay. What's the best day of your entire life? Well, so far now it's been the Rose Bowl, but it's going to be when we win the national championship. There you go. Yeah. So predicting a win. There you go. Oh, yeah. So we're only four quarters away from being there. Do you realize that? That's amazing. Yeah. You can think about it. Absolutely. Great. Chancellor Boschini, thank you very Thanks, much for the time. Yes, thank sir. you very thank much. You. Beautiful. Roxo Media House.